Welcome to the Word of Life podcast, a ministry of Word of Life Church, located in Lesueur, Minnesota. From sermon audio to midweek content and much more, we hope you are blessed by what you hear. For more information or to donate, please visit wordoflifemn.com. Now, enjoy this week's episode. We are in the last Sunday of our game day series, and uh, today's theme is Endgame. Before we jump in to read scripture, would you pray with me? Father in heaven, I pray that you would would bless this time, God, that you would speak, um, that you would speak through me today, God, that we would hear your word and your truth and your message for us this morning, God, that it would we would hear it with our ears and, 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 and contemplate with our mind, God, but that it would also impact our heart to move our hands and feet as we leave this place today and, and enter back into the world. So God, I pray that you would speak to us now through your word, through your truth. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we are in John chapter 21. And this is after, uh, this is after Jesus' death and resurrection. He, he has rejoined um, the disciples. And, and this is one of the last kind of conversations that Jesus has with Peter. Peter the rock. And it says this. When they had finished breakfast... Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to Peter, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to Peter, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. After saying this, Jesus said to him, follow me. Like I said, if, if you've been around me very long, it, it will come as no surprise to you that this is not the first time I've served communion in, in, a, in a Vikings jersey. I'm a huge Vikings fan, have been my whole life. And, and I almost never miss a game, even if, if I'm on a youth retreat and we're driving back on a, on a Sunday. Um, hey, like Wayfair, if we haven't gone on a fall retreat yet together, 
We're going to be listening to the Vikings game on Sundays when we drive back. I'm just a huge Vikings fan. I'm such a fan that, you know, I, I, really, want, I really want my kids to be Vikings fans. I want this to be like a family thing. And, uh, and my son, Tommy, I'm pretty sure, first words were mama and dada, but I'm pretty sure the next one was skull. Um, he'll, he'll do it. He'll do it on command. It's pretty amazing. But as you know, I, you know, I, I work at a church, which, so I kind of have like a weekend job. So, so catching every game live, especially from the beginning, can be a challenge. For a lot of years, Brittany and I had one of those, um, those TiVo DVRs. So we could record games and, and then watch them later. And, and the whole goal was like, I didn't want any spoilers. I wanted to watch the game like it was live. But it backfired on me twice uh, in some pretty disappointing ways. One time, uh, my mom, who was a, uh, she was a teacher, she brought down a group of students from North Dakota for kind of a weekend in Minneapolis. Uh, I had an apartment in, in Richville at that time, and, and uh, you know, there, there's probably another side of me that I definitely could have been the tour guide uh, uh, in, you know, on a different path. Anyway, um, but so I agreed to be tour guide for this group of students in downtown Minneapolis on a game day. And so we, we turned off the phones, no updates. I DVR'd the game. They left in the afternoon, and so I was like, Perfect. I am getting home. I am putting on my Vikings jersey. I'm ordering a pizza, and I'm going to sit and just enjoy watching this game. So the pizza delivery guy comes, and I walk downstairs to the front door of the apartment, and he sees me in my, per in my Vikings jersey, and he goes, oh, wasn't that such a heartbreaking loss today? <laughs> that kicker missed Yeah. The other time, the other time it backfired on me was a was a Monday night game. If you are a diehard Vikings fan, um, the purple they were having a bad year, and they had just signed the quarterback Josh Freeman from the Buccaneers. And this was going to be his. And again, if you're a Vikings fan, you already know how that game ended um, terribly. But um, it was a Monday night game. But Brittany and I were involved in kind of a young leaders course on Monday nights that ended at nine o'clock. And I did not want any spoilers. And so we told everyone in our class, like, please, like tonight, like, no, like, don't even make noises when you look at your phone. Like, I don't want to know nothing. I want to go home and watch the game after, after class. And so our class was in Northeast Minneapolis. We're living in Richfield. And we get in the car and we're driving down 35. <laughs> and I kid you not, it was, you know those digital billboards that like flip ads? <laughs> it had a live update score of the game, which I don't know why they were advertising that. And so we're driving and there, I couldn't miss it. And there it was. And we were down, whatever, 34 to zero or something like that. It actually probably was a good thing that I found out. Then I'd have to stay up till midnight watching that game. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I never expected that that was the way the game would be ruined for me. Have you ever heard of this term spoiler alert before? Of course you have, because you know, now we're in the age of, of streaming movies and TV shows and whatnot. 
that our viewing habits as a, as a society has changed. Some people might watch a show right when it comes out, and some may not watch it till like five years later. Uh, Brittany and I, one of our favorite things that we do to kind of bond as a couple is we get into TV shows. And so this summer, the show for us was Downton Abbey. Uh, I know that show came out like six years ago, but for us, it was like brand new. So no spoilers. Everyone talking, please don't tell us any spoilers on Downton Abbey. But you know, sometimes spoilers aren't such a bad thing. My aunt Kathy, for example, um, one of my favorite things about my aunt Kathy is before she decides, maybe you do this, before she decides that she's going to read a book, she reads the last chapter of the book just to make sure that she's going to like how this turns out. And then she'll go back and read the whole thing. She wants to know that the story is going to work out in the end. Well, friends, I'm here to tell you today that despite our failures, as we are about to see displayed in the Apostle Peter, that the end of the story is already written. And Jesus wins the victory over sin and death. I mentioned Peter, and and we see him this morning in this conversation with Jesus and it's good to remind us of like where Peter's at uh, at this point in his life. Here's a, a quick recap of Peter's like, air quotes here, greatest hits in the New Testament. First, you know, when Jesus tells him to walk on water, Peter is afraid. He sinks. Or uh, Peter tries to, tries to persuade Jesus that he will not have to die, to which Jesus responds, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, and you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Not a great day for Peter. Or uh, he falls asleep in the Garden of Gethsemane three times after being asked three times to not do that. Later that same evening, he denies Jesus three times despite his protests after being told in uncertain terms that he was going to do so. There at the garden, Peter draws his sword and cuts off a soldier's ear and then is rebuked for it. He gets rebuked about asking about John, the beloved disciple. And we're even told that after the disciples first When they hear the reports of Jesus' resurrection, Peter even loses the race to get to the tomb. It would seem that nearly everything that Peter does in the Gospels ends in either a correction, a rebuke, or just a red-cheeked failure. With one noticeable exception, of course, when asked by Jesus, who do you say that I am? Peter acknowledges that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. He's the first of the disciples to do so, actually. But other than that one shining moment, one almost wonders whether Jesus' name for Peter, which means the rock, was actually an ironic gesture. You see, see, Peter 
often far from acting as a stable leader of the faith, when it was time for action, he could be relied on to fail. Indeed, short of him rejecting the faith entirely, it is hard to imagine a worse Christian in the Gospels than Peter. Peter's sins are on display here in the Gospels for all of us to see. And, and when I read them, and maybe when you read them as well, it's not hard to see myself in his shoes. See, Peter was so confident that he believed he would follow Jesus and stick by his side no matter what, even if everyone else ran away. Peter said he never would. But he did. Jesus predicts that Peter would deny that he even knew Jesus three times before the rooster crows. And Peter did. And Peter wept. Peter felt so bad. I think about that when I sin sometimes. I think about how Peter felt. Like after I've, I've confessed my sin, after I've, I've promised myself and promised God that I will never ever do that thing again, when I sin, I feel like such a failure. Like I've lost the game. Do you ever feel that way? Why is that? And yet in our passage today, the resurrected Jesus gives Peter even more authority than he ever had before. Why would Jesus do that? There's a quote I want to put up on the screen from the 20th century American novelist by the name of Thornton Wilder. He wrote, in, in one of his early works in the book called The Kabbalah, he wrote this, all gods and heroes are by nature the enemies of Christianity. He's saying, you, you know, this, this sense of self-importance, this pride that I'm, I'm a hero, that that by nature is the enemy of Christianity. Only a broken will can enter the kingdom of heaven. When that broken will comes to the realization of who they are, they are finally tired out with the cult of themselves, but they give in and they go over and they renounce themselves. It is no coincidence that Peter is both the weakest and the one who recognizes who Jesus is. He can recognize the Savior because he knows how much he needs one. The, the, the poster boy Christian is not a person who looks like Jesus, but it is a person who looks like he needs Jesus. Many of us are full of shame deep down because of our own private failures or our own private fears. Like Peter, we question whether God would love and care for us if he really knew what went on, how we really feel. And if he really knew how little we think about him some days, and how often we choose our own desires over his commands. 
But, but remember, we know the end of the story. We know how this game is going to turn out. And the final score is that Jesus has wiped away the debt of sin for all whom should have faith in him. Ephesians, the Apostle Paul puts it this way. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And it is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. See, we know that the end for us is eternal life in heaven through the gift of grace so generously given to us by Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you, but for me, that's like the definition of comfort. Like I know that no matter how I feel that Jesus still loves me, no matter how much I fail like Peter, that the God of grace still cares for me. See, the comfort that Peter found on that beach is our comfort too. That the only thing that God requires of you and me is our deep-seated and ongoing need for him. Like Peter, we are met in our shame and embarrassment and to our great surprise, given the opposite of what we deserve. And in this conversation with Peter, we see that it influences what we get to do between now and when the final whistle blows. Jesus tells Peter three times to feed my sheep. And that's exactly what we get to do too. That can, it can present itself in a number of different ways. It, it can literally present itself. We've seen that here at Word of Life in the last few weeks. We saw it with our third through sixth graders a couple of weeks ago. I received word over the weekend that nearly the nearly 20,000 meals that our third through sixth graders packed during the game day day camp has been sent out to an organization called Mission of Hope in Haiti, an organization that specializes in church advancement nutrition, education, and medical care on that island. Feed my sheep. Those kids literally got to do that. I want to say thank you to those kids and volunteers who were a part of that. Jesus said, feed my sheep. We see that in more abstract ways too. You know, my family and I, we've been going to church here for a little over three years. I've been on staff now for almost a year and a half. And we've seen time and time again that the folks here at Word of Life are a generous bunch of people. If it's in our giving financially on Sunday mornings or seeing your work in the community or even hearing about the blessings of the gifts that you give one another without any desire for recognition, you are furthering the mission of feed my sheep. See, following Christ is 
in this command is a driving force for us here at Word of Life. And our desire is to keep doing our ministries here in Lesur. To keep doing them in a growing online community of folks that are being impacted by the gospel being delivered right into their homes on a weekly basis. And certainly through the mission set before us with the New Prague campus. We are all like a football team that get to push forward in the goal to feed this area that we call home, both physically and spiritually. But all of that, all of that energy is rooted in the fact that we know how the story ends. We are people of the promise that we are not at risk of losing the game, but the victory has already been won in Jesus Christ. And as we turn towards communion this morning, we also know this, that we get to pursue this mission of feeding God's sheep because we are also fed by Christ, the very means of grace and communion.